Many of us are stuck in life and relationship ruts, all because we haven't learned or are not using the language of heaven. This message is the 10th in the series, Rudders and Roots. The message is entitled, Guiding and Guarding Your Mouth, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. There are many verses that we could look at. We've been looking at James chapter 3 as the primary passage for helping us to understand this concept in Scripture, change your words, change your life. And we're going to take you there today to James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 2. I'll read down through verse number 5. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, so let's listen to God's Word together. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we're powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that they can control, so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Here the Apostle James is reminding us of the impact, the power of our words. He uses two analogies, two metaphors, two illustrations. He says, your tongue is like a bit and bridle in a horse's mouth. You take this large muscular animal and you're able to actually direct it where you want it to go by pulling on the reins and affecting that bridle and bit in the horse's mouth. And the direction is determined by what happens in the mouth. And then he uses the illustration of a ship and how a ship is really set on its course by a rudder. You have this large, massive vessel out in the winds of the sea and the, the storms of the sea, and you're able to direct that, that, that ship by a small rudder and that your mouth, your tongue is much like that rudder setting the direction of your life. And so we're learning something about how to speak the right way, what kind of language really directs our life in a way that honors God. How do we speak what we might call God language, because there is a language of heaven that you and I need to learn, and just like any language, you do have to learn it. It doesn't come just naturally to you. You have to learn something about how God speaks and how God wants you to speak and how He directs us to use the words of our mouth, because the Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. And so how do we learn this language of heaven? How do we learn to speak God's way? We've been looking at a number of different principles along these lines, and I want to share with you today one very important principle. When it comes to learning the language of heaven, you and I have to really address this one particular core issue of our life. It has to do with the language, the words that we speak to ourselves. And if you and I are going to change our words in such a way that we change our life, here's the key principle for us today. You and I have to change our self-talk. You have to change the way you and I talk to ourselves. See, throughout every day of your life, you are carrying on a conversation with someone even when no one else is around. You're carrying on a conversation with yourself. Have you ever caught yourself talking to you? Oh, we all do that. We all carry on these conversations with ourselves, and these conversations in our minds and our inner being really flow from the thinking process. We think certain things, then we start engaging with our thoughts with this conversation. It's unique how God created us as human beings that we actually have the ability to have a conversation with ourselves. And also, we're sort of able to step outside of ourselves and listen in on the conversation that we're actually having with ourselves. So God has created us with this tremendous capacity, and He wants us to use it effectively. Because the conversations you have with yourself matter. The conversations you have with yourself make a difference. 
negative conversations with yourself result in a negative life, and positive conversations with yourself will result in a positive life. And so you and I have to learn how to adjust these conversations that we have with ourselves. And the Bible refers to this in a number of different places. I want to draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and let's see what the Apostle Paul says about this idea of inner thoughts and the conversations that flow from them. Again, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. For although we live in the natural realm, we live in this world, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons. We don't fight in this world as believers in a natural way, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are engaged with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy, notice that word, that opposes God and and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God, we capture, here's the part I want you to note here, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Here the apostle Paul says that we have thoughts going on obviously in our minds and oftentimes these thoughts can create tremendous problems for us. And in fact, the devil, the one who is our adversary, and indeed he is a real foe, and there's a real spiritual battle, the battleground that exists spiritually in our lives, often relates to your mind, what goes on between your ears, what happens in your thinking, that the adversary would like to convince you of things that are contrary to God. He would like to convince you to think certain ways that are opposite of the way God would have you to think. To have certain thoughts in your mind that, are, that would deceive or in some way twist who God is and who you are in relationship with God and how you are to relate to other people and the world around you. So there's, a, there's an active attack going on in our minds. I love the way the King James Version renders verse number five. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we have two words I want to note here, imaginations and thoughts. The the root word for the word imagination is the word image. We know that word well. If you have the wrong image of God, will you have the right relationship with God? No, you can't have the wrong image of God and have the right relationship with God. A lot of folks have the wrong image of who God is. And so because of that, it affects their relationship with Him. Can you have the wrong image of yourself? We call it self-image. Can you have the wrong image of yourself and then really live the right kind of productive life that God calls you to live? No, you can't live if the image that you're carrying in your head of God or the image you're carrying in your head of yourself or the image you carry in your head of other people or of the world around you, if you're carrying the wrong image, you can't live the right way. And so we have to cast down the wrong kind of imaginations, the wrong kind of images of God and ourselves and other people. And every high thing that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And we, we need to bring them into captivity. That is, take them captive. Make every thought captive to the point of obeying Christ. That is, you and I need to take charge of our thinking. Say that phrase with me. We need to take charge of our thinking. Who's in charge of your brain? Who's in charge of your thinking? Somebody needs to be in charge of your thinking, and you need to be that person who's taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate it this way for you. All of us have this amazing organ inside our skull called the brain. 
And the brain is an amazing organ. It's, it's tremendous to think about what your brain is doing 24-7, 365. It's running all the organs, all your systems, everything inside of you is automated based upon how your brain is functioning. And your brain is pre-wired from a physiological standpoint to run your body, okay? But there's another aspect of your brain that controls more than just your physiology. It, it, it affects your psychology. It affects your spirituality. It affects how you live your life, the choices that you make. And so that part of your brain is your thinking part of your brain. See, the other part of your brain, it's running all your organs physiologically, but there's also this other thing that you and I do called thinking. And when we think, really, your thinking process is really the software of this organic thing called your brain that lives inside of you. And so your brain, we might say it this way, your brain is the hardware, your thinking processes would represent the software. And so in any computer, if you have a, using the computer analogy, you can have fantastic hardware, but if you have malware on your software, is everything going to function well? Of course not. And so this is what happens with us many times. We have this thinking process, and we have malware. We have the wrong image of God in our mind, the wrong image of ourself in our mind, the wrong image of other people. We have all these toxic, dysfunctional, sinful thoughts that we carry around inside of us. And so we, we entertain these thoughts, and then what always happens, what happens in your head eventually comes out of your mouth, right? Okay, so whatever's going on in here, you're going to speak, and oftentimes you're, you're conversing these things with yourself, and so you keep feeding these things back into yourself, so you get into this rumination process, and you're always thinking in this negative realm, and you get stuck there. Anybody ever got stuck with your thinking before? Are you with me today? Come on, this is teaching time. Talk back to me. You'll help me, all right? Okay. Are you with me today? Okay. Anybody gotten stuck in your thinking before, right? We call it getting in a rut, okay? You get rutted in your thinking, okay? And so because you've got these thoughts going on in your head, and they don't represent truth, they represent actually lies of the adversary, lies that you've bought into, lies about God, lies about yourself, lies about other people, lies about life in general. So all these things get stuck, and you begin to have this conversation with yourself that reinforces, and what happens is you get stuck in this cycle, okay, in the cycle of, of dysfunction, the cycle that really keeps you from being everything that God wants you to be. And this is where a lot of us, even as Christian believers, we're living stuck in these rutted forms of thinking. I know because I've been there. I get there sometimes. Do you? We get there, okay? So what do we do? Is there any hope for us? The answer is yes, because the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so the Bible says that if we're built, building our mind, the software of our mind on things that aren't true about God, things that are not true about ourselves, things that are not true about other people. We're building these thoughts in our mind. Then what we need is truth to come in and dismantle or demolish these negative thoughts, these toxic, sinful thoughts to demolish them so that our mind is, here's a very important biblical term for you, our mind is renewed. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so our mind, our mouth gets us into trouble. Now, when, when, we, when our mind begins to be renewed with the truth of God's Word, here's what can happen. You guys ready for this? This is exciting. Get on the edge of your seat. 
This is about to, is, we're about to take off here. This is very exciting. As God's word by his spirit and your work in the way that you go about this process, as you begin to work on your thinking and work on your speaking, what happens is the truth of God's word and the work of his spirit begins to invade your mind and it begins to drive out the malware and replace it with healthy software and your thinking changes. And little by little, as you begin to attack these thoughts, you move from the negative to the positive. You move from what is dysfunctional and displeasing to you and to God. And these things begin to change in your life. And over a period of time, as God begins to renew your mind, what happens is this cycle does continue because you're thinking differently. Now you're speaking differently. And now you're feeding a different cycle. Instead of a negative cycle in your life, what kind of cycle do you have? A positive cycle. Why? Because you're thinking differently. You're thinking the right way about God. You're speaking the right way of God. You're thinking the right way about yourself, speaking the right way about yourself. You're thinking the right way about others, speaking the right way about others. You're, you're thinking the right way about the world around you and speaking the right way of the world, about the world around you. And that's called the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is so extremely important. Now, I want to help us today to know how to, how many of you would like to do this? Only three of you? The rest of you are dismissed, okay? <laughs> three of you can stay, okay? How many of you want to learn how to do this? All right, okay. Today I'm going to show you how to do this, okay? I'm going to take you to Scripture. I'm going to show you how to actually have your mind renewed, okay? Now, it works in various ways depending upon the dysfunction of your mind. I'm not saying this is a cure-all for everything that will make you. I promise if you'll start doing what we're talking about today, you'll become a healthier person. Okay, Just this one thing, healthier spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, relationally, every realm of your life, you'll get healthier than you are. So how do you have your mind renewed? Let's take a look at five things that will help you to experience the renewal of your mind. Number one, write it down. You need to daily confess biblical affirmations. Daily confess biblical affirmations. That word confess is an important word because you need to understand it. Every day you need to be speaking truth over your life and outwardly verbally declaring God's truth over your life. It's called an affirmation, confessing God's word. The word confession in the Greek language, an interesting word, it's actually the Greek word is homologeo. That's the Greek word, homo sane logeo word. And so when we speak of confessing, it's saying the same thing. And so when we begin to confess God's word, what we're doing is we're agreeing with what God says. We're saying the same thing God says about himself. We're saying the same thing that God says about you and me. We're saying the same thing that God says about other people. We're affirming God's word and declaring it over our life. It's called confessing God's word, agreeing with God and declaring what God says. So I'm going to give you today some confessions that are valuable in your life. But before I do, let me just quickly remind you of this little book that we made available for you several weeks ago. If you haven't gotten a copy, I would highly recommend that you get a copy of this. Here are 25 affirmations, confessions based upon Scripture that you can use every day in your life to make sure that you're beginning this process of renewing your mind. So you're thinking the right way about God, about yourself, about other people, about the world around you. If you didn't get a copy, they're available at the Resource Center at the end of the service. Just stop by and get a copy. It'll be a great help to you. But to simplify it for you today, what I want to do is this. I'm going to give you seven simple confessions or affirmations that everybody here can do. If you don't want to read the book, then you, you can get the 
the, you can get the cliff notes right now. I'm going to give you a short version of this. You ready? Okay. Seven things. Number one, what the Bible says about you, the Bible says that you are blessed. Say it together with me. I am blessed. You need to begin to proclaim in your life, I am blessed. Why? Because often you don't feel very blessed, do you? When problems are coming your way, sometimes you can feel more cursed than blessed. But the reality is that the Bible says that you're not cursed, you are blessed. No matter what you're going through in life, you're already blessed by God. Take a look with me, if you will, at this passage of Scripture, because it doesn't, it doesn't suffice for me to simply give you these phrases. They need to be backed up by the Bible, because my word doesn't make any difference. God's word makes the difference. Okay? Look at what God says, all right? Ephesians 1, 3. All praise to, the, to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, if you are united with Christ, you've made a decision to give your life to Jesus, you're in relationship with Him, this, this verse of Scripture applies to you. And the Bible says that if you're united with Christ, Christ Jesus has already blessed us. He has blessed us. For those of you who study the English language, you'll recognize that this is in the past tense, has blessed. It represents something that happens at a time past that is affecting you in the present and that will affect you in the future. You're not, listen, you're not waiting to be blessed. You are already blessed. You're not waiting for blessing to come your way. You live in the context of being blessed by God. You don't have to wait for your blessing to come in. Your blessing has already come in. You are standing in the blessing of God. You are blessed by God. That changes the way you think about yourself. You're not waiting to be blessed. I am blessed. Say it with me. I am blessed by God. Here's your second thing to understand. I am chosen. I'm chosen by God. Now, the word chosen is a very powerful word. It's a word that really illustrates the fact that you have now been brought into the family. You've been made a part. The opposite of chosen means to be ignored or rejected. Nobody wants to be ignored and nobody wants to be rejected. And so it's a wonderful thing to think that God has chosen us. I want you to imagine with me the truth of this reality today that God looked down from heaven and said, I want you in my family. I choose you to be a part of my family. That's how the Holy Spirit began to work on your life and draw you to Jesus. That through the working of the Holy Spirit, you were drawn into relationship with Christ. Why? Because God came after you. It wasn't that you went after God. God came after you because he wanted you. He sought you out to draw you into his kingdom. Now, you had to make the choice to obey him, the choice to say yes. But as he drew you, you responded to his choosing of you by saying yes. This is in the scripture as well. I am chosen. Notice this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Notice verse number 11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. You are chosen by God. Now I want you to say together with me, with, with me the first two. I am blessed. I am chosen. The third one is I am loved. So important to get here. You know, you can be chosen but not be loved. You can be chosen but not, not be loved. I'll give you the illustration. When I was a kid, as most kids have the experience, 
Oftentimes we would have little, you know, different kind of sports games that would happen on the, on the playground at the end of the day or whatever it might be during the day. And, and so there would usually be two captains, the best of whatever the, the, the particular sport was, the best of those two would be the captains, and they get to choose their teams. Anybody with me? Okay. And so, of course, this one chooses and takes the best one here, and the next one chooses and gets the next best. And then at the end of it all, there's always one person there, Right? 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 So we've gone through everybody, and that person hasn't been chosen yet, okay? Right? And finally, the person who's, whose turn it is to make the final choice says, okay, you're on our team. <laughs> were they chosen? Were they loved? They were not loved. It's like, you go, to left, you go to right field, get as far back from the game as possible, don't do anything stupid, Okay? See, they were chosen, but they were not loved, okay? They were, they were chosen, but there was no affection associated with it. What I want you to hear today is that God not only chose you, but he feels affectionate toward you, okay? You bring pleasure to God. Can you imagine that? To think that God who created the world chose you to be in his family and not just, okay, come on in, I guess you got to be a part, okay? I pick you last. No, come on in be a part of my family. I take pleasure in you. You're one, of my, you're one of my special kids. See, God has special kids. And guess what? You're one of them. Because God has the ability to do something that we don't have the capacity to do. He has the ability to make everybody special. There's not just a few special, but everybody's special with God. And you're special to God. You're loved by God. Take a look with me, if you will, at this, this verse of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 1. Actually, two verses, verses 4 and 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own, into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great, what? Gave him great pleasure, great pleasure. Let's go to the next one, all right? I am being restored. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am loved. And I am being restored. I want to explain why this one is so important. Because maybe this might be a little different one for you to think about with me for a moment. I want you to stay with me on this because this is vital. All of us here today, every single person here, we're imperfect human beings. We mess up sometimes, right? Okay? Everybody does, okay? We sin we fail, we have mistakes we make, we have dysfunctions in our life, we have things that we don't always do right. And so we all mess up, okay? Now, it's not our goal to mess up, nor should we just in any way take that lightly, but the reality is, is that we do mess up. And when we mess up, there's an enemy that will show up in your life and tell you, he's called the devil and he's a liar, okay? But he shows up in your life and says, you messed up. What kind of Christian do you think you are? All, all holy you, go to church lifting your hands and praising God, but look at what you just did. Anybody heard, ever heard that voice before? Yeah. And he comes in and begins to condemn you and make you feel miserable about how, how you're living your life or some mistake that you've made. It's called the spirit of condemnation, okay? The spirit of accusation of the adversary coming in and telling you you're just a miserable failure. And the reason that he does that is because once he knocks you down, the devil loves to keep you down, Okay? 
He doesn't want you to get back up again. He's knocked you down. He leads us into, into temptation and, and mistakes and failures. And then once we're down, he steps on us and he grinds us into the ground and says, look at what a nasty, terrible person you are. And he grinds us down into the ground and says, you'll never get back up again. And a lot of people, because of failure in their life, never come back to God because they're convinced that God would never receive them back. And so they've now, they're down on the ground, if you will, spiritually speaking, and they, they feel so condemned and miserable. Maybe that's you today that the enemy has convinced them they can't get back up again. But I want to tell you something. God is the God who takes people who are down and picks them back up again and restores them, okay? You got to know that, okay? He doesn't leave you down. I used this illustration a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to use it again today because I think it really applies to someone here today. Do you remember the story, right? The story about Peter when he was walking on water. He got out of the boat, and he's walking on water, and everything's great. He's looking at Jesus, and this is awesome, man. I'm, I'm, this is cool. I'm walking on water. Whoa, I'm going, okay? And then Peter starts saying, what am I doing? And he begins to look at the waves, and they're all around, and he gets his eyes off of Jesus, and what happens? He begins to sink, right? Remember the story? Okay. Now, what did Jesus do? Okay, Pete, you're on your own, bud. You got your eyes off of me. You should have never gotten your eyes off of me. Now you're going to pay the price, boy. No, he didn't do that, does he? Jesus said, Peter, here's my hand. And he reached out and he took Peter, even after Peter had taken his eyes off of Jesus, and he restored him. Are you with me, okay? And all of us need restoration not just from our failures, but from our weaknesses and just the broken places in our life. And no one here is perfect, but the good news is you're better today, hopefully, than you were yesterday. And tomorrow you're going to be better than you were today because you're learning what it means to walk with Jesus step by step. And sometimes it feels like you're taking three steps forward and two steps backwards, but you still gained a step in the process. Amen? Okay? So don't let the enemy beat you down and tell you that you're a failure because you've made some mistakes along the way. No, I am being restored. Say it with me. I am being restored. Listen to this passage that you know all so well. Psalm 23, New King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice just a point of reference here. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to notice that the restoration of your soul precedes walking in paths of righteousness. Because you can't walk in paths of righteousness until your soul is being restored. Okay? As God restores your soul, something happens in you so that now you can begin to live the life God wants you to live in right relationship with Him. So you live a life that is, I'll give you three words here, that is holy, whole, and wholesome. That's what you want to live, the kind of life you want to live. Holy, that is God is making you clean in your soul, whole. God is making you whole in your soul. He's putting the broken pieces back together. And out of that, you have a wholesome life, that you're now living a life that brings wholesomeness or wholeness to people around you. And so we declare together, look at your notes again with me. What are our affirmations? I am blessed. I am chosen. I am loved. I am being restored. The next one is I am redeemed. This word redeemed is an important word. 
It means to buy back. I'll explain it to you this way. Back in the day of Jesus' time, when he, was, when he used that word redemption, when the Old Testament used, used the word redemption, it usually referred to someone that was in slavery. And so because they were in slavery, they had to be bought out of slavery and set free. Redemption was, if you're in slavery, I come and buy you out of slavery, and then I set you free. I don't bring you into slavery to me because I bought you out. I buy you out of slavery, and then I liberate you, okay? Are you with me? That's the word redemption. Okay, the word redemption is, I'm going to buy you out, but when I buy you out, you get to go free. And so when Jesus came to the earth, we were all slaves to sin, slaves in bondage to all kind of horrible things, in bondage to addictions and bondage to habit patterns in our life. And Jesus came and by his blood, he paid the price to buy us out of slavery, okay? It's the price of his blood, okay? I tell you what, that's high price. It's the blood of God, okay? The blood of the Son of God was given to buy us out of slavery and then to set us free so that we could have the freedom of life and whom the Son sets free is free indeed, the Bible says. And so we have this freedom, but we have to learn to walk in this freedom. So part of the way that you learn to walk in the freedom is to declare and realize I am redeemed. I don't have to live in bondage to sin any longer. I don't have to live in bondage to that addiction any longer. I don't have to live in bondage to that old habit in my life any longer. I am free. I can go free. I can live a new life because Jesus has purchased me. He has redeemed me from my bondage. I don't have to live. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. How can we sing that song? We sing it declaring something that Jesus did. He purchased us by his blood out of the grip of fear. And now we say, I no longer am living. Jesus bought me with his blood. I'm not a slave to fear any longer. Why? Because I'm redeemed. I am a child of God. Okay? Look at what the scripture says about this. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. He is so rich in kindness and grace. My goodness, I think we ought to stop there and just praise God for that part. Don't you think so? He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our what? He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Aren't you grateful that you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus? All right, let's go to the next one. Set with me, I am strong. The Bible tells us that through the grace and power of God, you are strong. Now, here's what a lot of people get confused when they say, I'm strong. Well, I don't feel very strong, Pastor. Why can't I say I'm strong? I'm going to show you how strong God's grace and power is in you. You're not strong in you, but you're strong in Him. Okay? Vital to understand there's a big difference. You're, you're, you're weak as I am. We're all weak ourselves, but in him we're strong, okay? We have strength. Because think back over your life, just with me for a moment, just do a quick reflection over your life. Have any of you gone through some really tough things in your life? Any of you? Have you? Anybody walk through some really horrible days that you don't want to ever go through again, right? Okay. Anybody? Okay, right? You had some really, really challenging moments in your life. You thought, my goodness, will I ever get out of this? And how am I going to make it? I'm not sure I'm going to come out of this alive. I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this. We've all had those days, correct? Okay, right? But here's the good news. 
you're still standing. They didn't destroy you, okay? okay? Even when you felt weak, God's strength got you through, okay? And you're here now because by the grace of God, you're still standing, okay? By the grace of God, you're still functioning. By the grace of God, you're now, you're still operating in your life. It did did not destroy you. The devil told you it was going to destroy you, but there was a grace sustaining you. You may not have even felt it at the time. You may not have even been aware of it at the time. Maybe you felt very weak at the time, but still there was a supernatural, invisible hand carrying you through and pushing you along and getting you to the other side and helping you when you couldn't get up in the morning to go ahead and get up when you needed to get up. It was that grace of God and power of God invisibly pushing you along. I'll tell you, I believe in the invisible, mighty hand of Almighty God working in people's lives. It gets you through. So you're still standing. So what I want you to know is you are strong. Not because of you. You're strong because you're, you're in Christ. Christ is in you, and you're in Christ. Take a look at what this passage says. Paul the apostle understood this as he was going through a very difficult period in his own life. And so he's asking God to take a problem away from him. God responds. God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul responds then and says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Read the last sentence with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Look, look at this verse with me. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation that could also be rendered no trial, same Greek word, trial, same Greek word, testing, no temptation, trial, testing has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, everybody experiences it, and God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted tested beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Dear one, I want you to know today that in Christ, you are strong. Say it together with me. I am strong. Let's look back over these again. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am loved. I am being restored. I am redeemed. I am strong and I am able I'm able. I know some of you are really worrying right now because you see four more points of the message. You're wondering how long we're going to be here, okay? Just chill out. It's going to be okay, okay? <laughs> Just don't worry about it. I promise I'll get you out before five or six o'clock tonight. I promise, okay? <laughs> now, we're going to go through this very fast. I can already feel it in the room like, is he ever going to get to these other points? <laughs> yes, I am. We're going to get there. Don't worry. You'll be amazed, Okay? I'm able. What does it mean, I'm able? Thank you. Thank you, my dear brother, okay? Did you hear what he said? He said, take your time. Okay, that's awesome, okay? See? My new best friend right there, okay? I'm able. What does this mean, I'm able? It means that you're able. Listen, you're able to be everything God calls you to be. You're able to do everything God calls you to do. I am able. I'm able to do everything God, I'm able to be everything God wants me to be, and I'm able to do everything God wants me to do. Now, there's a very important distinction here. A lot of people say, oh, you can just be anything you want to be. No, you can't. You can't be anything you want to be. I could never be an engineer. I don't have the math skills for it. 
My skill set is more in the social sciences, and I get all that and I understand that, but don't ask me to be an engineer, okay? I'm still working on, you know, trying to figure out what is, how a slide ruler works. I don't have a clue, okay? No, it's one of those, I, I can't figure that stuff out, okay? So it's not my gift set, okay? If you can't sing, don't join the choir, okay? I don't care how many days you wake up and say, in Jesus' name, I can sing. In Jesus' name, I can sing. In Jesus' name. You can blab that till the rest of you dead, okay? And, I, and the reality is, you might get a little better, but you're not going to be good, okay? If you can't sing, you can't. So, so just do it in the shower, okay? And just do it where you enjoy it. Come to church. You can sing as loud as you want to out there, okay? That's awesome, okay? We're just not going to hand you a microphone, okay? We're just not going to do that, okay? So the reality, so there's certain things you can't do, okay? It doesn't mean that you're able to do everything. But listen again what I told you. The, word, the phrase, I am able, means this. I am able to be everything God wants me to be. And I'm able to do everything God wants me to do, okay? I don't have to be you, and you don't have to be me, okay? And I don't have to do what you do, and you don't have to do what I well, There's certain common things that we do together as believers. But there's a lane that God has for my life. And if I get in my lane and run in my lane, I can be everything God wants me to be. And I can do everything that God wants me to do. I am able. Say it with me. I am able. I am able to be everything God wants me to be. I'm able to do everything God wants me to do. Look at this passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter 4. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. One translation says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So we declare that we're able. One, one final time. Let's go over all these together. Because what are we doing with our minds? Renewing them, right? Are you with me? We're replacing all those X's, ugly places in our mind with truth, okay? What does the Scripture say about you? I am blessed. I am chosen. I am loved. I am being restored. I am redeemed. I am strong. I am able. That's what the Bible says about you. I also encourage you to get this book. Look at these other affirmations, but daily confess this. Now, get ready. Tighten your seatbelt because now here comes the next four points, okay? Next four points really, really fast. Write them down. The next thing that you want to write down, you've got to saturate your mind with Scripture. Let God's Word get into your mind. I'll quickly say this. not going to read these verses for you. You can read them on your own, but to saturate with Scripture means you just read the Bible. You say, I don't understand the Bible. Read it anyway, okay? Because you don't have to. I don't, will it help you if I tell you sometimes I don't understand what I'm reading? And I'm the pastor, okay? So sometimes I don't understand at all, but I keep on reading. Why? Because over time you get understanding. Over time you learn things you didn't learn before, but you keep on reading because we're washed by the water of your word. I will tell you that reading scripture is a, is a washing of your mind. It helps clean away all those cobwebs out of your system. All right, let's go to the next one. The next one is number three. Apply filters to your thoughts and your self-talk. Put some filters. Have you ever met a person that had no filters? You know that person, don't you, okay? Don't poke the person beside you, okay? <laughs> don't have any filters at all. They just blab, whatever's here is boop, there it is, okay? Like, can you get a filter sometime, okay? Well, think about your brain. You need a filter on your brain, okay? Not, listen, 
all throughout the week, stuff's coming your way. If you just let it, I mean, the news is telling you one thing, and movies are telling you one thing, and and, and internet's telling you something, all this stuff coming in. If you don't have a filter, man, all that stuff's going to get in your head. And you don't need to give real estate in your mind all that stuff, okay? So you need some filters. And the scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, again, I'm not going to take time to read it, but you can read it on your own. It talks about the filters, what is true and good and right and lovely and worthy of virtue and praise. Let your mind dwell on these things. Put some filters in your mind. Don't, not everything you think is true. I need to say that again. Because some of you think just because you think it is true. No, not everything you think is true. And not everything you feel is true. Okay? Just because you think it doesn't make it true. You need to put a filter and say, is it really true? Okay? Because I found out a lot of things I thought were true were not true. A lot of things I felt were true were not true at all until I put a filter on it. It helped me to understand it. And then I wasn't building my life on lies instead of building my life on truth. Got it? Okay? I think we have one more. Is that right? Actually, two more. Be careful in your conversations. Touch this one very quickly. Careful in your conversations. Why? Because when you're in a conversation with someone, people are feeding you their thoughts. Right? And if you're in a conversation with a toxic person, what thoughts are they going to be sharing with you? Toxic thoughts. Right? Okay? So if you're in a conversation with someone, you've got to be really, really careful with the kind of people you bring into the close circle of your life because they can take their thoughts and put them in your head. Okay? Oh, they're already floating around in this person's head, but if you hang around with them long enough, suddenly they kind of transfer by their conversations those thoughts into your head. You have to be very careful about that. The Bible warns us of that in, in Psalm chapter 1, that we're not to associate with those who are mockers and those who are, who are sinners and those who are uh, contrary in their thinking, who take the advice of the wicked. The Bible says, make sure that you're putting some boundaries in your life based upon conversations so that you're not letting the, the toxicity of other people affect your life. And the last thing I'll give you here, see, I told you it was going to be fast, see? I told you, okay? Last thing I'll give you here is seek input and instruction from spiritually healthy, mature believers. You need some input in your life. I'm going to wrap this up with this final exhortation to you today. Change your words, change your life. You need input from healthy people. You need input from people that will help challenge you to think the right way. Okay? Would you all agree with that? Yes. So we're going to push the toxic conversations to the side, and we're going to open ourselves to the healthy conversations, right? Now, I could, go, I could talk to you about a lot of different things related to this, but I'm going to talk to you about one aspect of this, because I think this is so important. This'll, if you can get this one aspect of this last point, it'll help you. One of the best ways that you can do this is by making the decision to be at church every weekend. I'm going to show you why. I'm not just trying to get people to be at church. I am, but not for the wrong reason, for the right reason. Because I know it's good for you. Because when you come to church, you've been going through a week fighting battles in the world, right? Okay, you got all this negative stuff. You're trying your best to stay on top of things, but there's all kind of negative things coming your way, and you're trying to keep your mind where it needs to be. And at least once, and you're trying to have your own devotional time with God. You need to be doing that, obviously. But you also need those moments where God can help reset you back to where you need to be again because your mind can get out of whack in, in just a few days, right? Okay. 
And so that's why the Bible calls us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. On a regular basis, we come together with God's people for worship because that cleans our hearts and minds out and together for the teaching of his word because that readjusts our thinking. Okay, it gets us back where we need to be. See, what happened to you today, whether you realize it or not, your mind got reset today, right? It's like God stepped in and pushed the reset button on your brain, right? Now, I, would, I guarantee you, everybody's going to, if you were listening today, and I hope you were, if you were listening, you will leave today having something adjusted in your thinking, okay? Because you were here today. Something got adjusted in your mind because you were in this place listening to this message. And that's why my challenge to you is this. You need to make, I would highly encourage you, and in fact, the Bible commands you to do this. It's more than just me encouraging. The Bible commands you to do this, to not forsake assembling together. Make it a consistent habit of your life. You need to be in church every weekend when you're able to be in church, notwithstanding maybe vacation time or when you're sick. This is not a rule or regulation. It's for your good. It's for your benefit, right? As much as I would a doctor would tell you, you need to be exercising for your benefit. You need to do something physical. I'm telling you as a, as a spiritual coach today that you need this in your life because this is how you get reset on a regular basis. It's how you keep your mind where it needs to be. There's always that process. So let me encourage you. Make that decision. You'll be very, very glad that you did. Amen? So God pushed the reset button today. So what are we going to do? We're going to pay attention to the conversation we have with the thoughts in our mind. Why? Because what's going on in our head comes out of our mouth and creates a cycle with our life. Let's make sure it's a good cycle. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word today. We're grateful for the word of God. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we do have to study. Take this word, seal it in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. 
And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.